Well, good morning. I'm a wife, Megan, so this is our first official, yeah, do it up. Um, and why I'm doing this, I really just felt the best thing to do in his incredible leadership. Um, if you don't know, come back next week and listen to him. But I just want to say thank you to him and his incredible staff, and I think we would be remiss if we didn't give the staff, I mean, adding Adam, Nikki, you know, the guys up there in the booth, can we give them a round of applause? You guys don't realize how good you have it. Of course, like that's what got me here, but the staff is, is beyond what I can tell you of. They're hospitable. Some guys came over last week and helped us with some boxes. Um, Adam pretty much just like lifted things out of the gate like nothing. It was just, anyway. Um, but it's, thank you for being welcoming and we're doing this thing, right? We're going places. One thing I can say about a church that's loud is it's not dead. Amen? Amen. And that's one thing I love about Westside is that we are actually a church that is alive. So I just wanted to say thank you. And again, thank you to Pastor Jason for sharing the pulpit because I don't know if you guys know this, but preaching and teaching. And so as he's away today, I ask that you pray for Pastor Jason, that he's able to be with his family, to be fully present, not worrying about us. Let him know if he's watching on live stream. We're good, right? All right, so he can enjoy his family time. And uh, again, just wanted to say, again, a thank you from my family to yours. We're excited. And for the word today, we're going to talk about James. Uh, but it's a quote by the guy who's named John Knox. And he says this, I've never been af afraid of the devil, but I tremble every time I enter the pulpit. And that's because what we do up here is we approach the gospel, what we believe is the gospel here at Westside, when we approach the gospel, the gospel approaches. And if something's going to happen today, at least we're praying, that the word would actually move into your hearts, not just your ears. As we heard in the text, you must be quick to lean first before we actually even understand what we are thinking. Ladies, you can say amen because your husbands are right next to you, right? And so I want to start with a story. I think this story will, will help open up the idea for today about the well of the heart. If you can believe it or not, a picture of a heart. Now, I am not a, a person that's got a medical degree, just like Jason. I went to Bible college. So I'm going to keep this very simple. But I want to show you something very interesting in the heart. But there's a part I want you to kind of be looking at, and it's right here. Do you see this little thing right there that's connecting those two main blood vessels? Well, this is what we'll call, and hopefully I don't mess this up. I've been worried all week if I'd say that right. <clears throat> but a ductus arteriosus is where this is actually going to create blood flow. Now, when you're born, fun fact, if you don't know this, this is always weird things that guys will, will never know, right? You ask a grown man, he'll be like, I don't know how I was actually. One of the things that has to happen for a baby once it's born is a PDA, what they call a patent ductus arteriosus, PDA, it's supposed to close. So as you can see that that little area there is usually a lot larger. If you were to look at a picture of a newborn baby, it would be a lot larger. And the reason why this is a thing is because it helps the lungs actually not work until growing. Now, some of you may not know our story, but when our son was born, he's almost about to be three next month, which is absolutely incredible to think about based on the story I'm about to tell you. But he was born at 24 weeks, five days gestation, which I know some of you are like, I don't even know what that means, man. That's four months early. So you would call this a preemie baby, but what, 24 weeks, was his PDA did not closed like it should have. Quite honestly, he doesn't even have eyeballs at 24 weeks old. So you might be asking, what does this mean to the story? Well, one thing about this story that's kind of crazy is 
What the doctor's office, well, I should say the hospital, and we spent 116 days in the hospital, we got to know these doctors called neonatal natologists. Did I say it right? Maybe I said it too long. But a neonatologist, these baby doctors are fire attitude. Her name was Laura Cerny, Dr. Laura Cerny. And she's every bit of like this tall. And she came in always excited every day. And she told us, hey, Judas PDA isn't closing, which means his lungs can't develop correctly. And what that means is that's big cess blood for you. And so she came to us, and I'm not kidding you when I tell you this story. She said, we're going to give Judah a set of morphine. My wife likes to correct me. That's Tylenol. And get this, with some Tylenol, my son's PDA closed. God is good. They're like fevers? They're like, yep. We're going to give it to a one-pound baby, and it's going to actually fix his heart. And sure enough, I'm not joking you, just a few days later, their x-rays showed all is good. Isn't that wild? Just that effect that a Tylenol pill, very small dose, would close this up. So that's what you're seeing there. It's just that small, close PDA. So we all have that. That's mostly what our hearts look like. Osis is. And, you know, one thing about this picture I want you to be thinking about is just how incredibly complex we are as humans. I mean, I don't know if you can, can imagine. I know some of us may not have kids yet. If you want kids or if you have kids, having one thing that I'll never forget, and it was something I still to this day can, even when I see him run around and he throws stuff at me, I still think about this one thing. I could see everything. It was a flicker. And it made me realize just how incredibly complex we are as humans. I mean, without those doctors, we would have had no idea that Tylenol would have worked, right? We would have thought all is doomed. We heard these things. But these doctors had a solution. And I know nurses in this room, my heart goes out to you. I love you for the work that you do. Because we had, had a nickname that we called them the NICU Avengers. Because they were just, you want to talk about superheroes? Those are some superheroes at your local hospitals. I'm just saying. Can we just give it up for some nurses? See, you don't need them today, right? You're in church, you're praising God, everything's good. But when you get sick, you go to the, you go to the hospital and you need somebody, who do you go to? That's right, you're going to be happy when you see the RN walk in. But it made, me, it made me just draw my attention to how important hospitals and doctors are. I thought to myself, of, if it wasn't for doctors and hospitals, we wouldn't be able to be healed. I mean, just imagine if I were to help Matt try to get healed, right? That wouldn't, <laughs> buddy, I'm sorry, you're, you're going to stay sick probably. But, but it brought to my attention a quote story, and it's actually a quote by Eugene Peterson. And he says this, Just as hospitals collect the sick under one roof and labels them as such, the church collects sinners. And many outside the church, or excuse me, many outside of the hospital are just as sick. But, and guess what? It's very similar with sinners outside the church. And so as we transition today to the book of James, chapter 1, if you've ever read the book of James, it's rather short. But man, James Pax helps us zoom in on what he's wanting to say. James is what we're going to call a spiritual cardiologist. Okay? He's a spiritual cardiologist. He's going to bring things to our attention that you may not have even known was there. Now you might be thinking, why does James get credit for talking to us? Well, let's start off with some basic facts if you're ready for them. This is actually some pretty cool information. First off, just like in Jude, James is the half-brother. He was also known as a peacemaker in the early church in Jerusalem. Some would say he's one of the first pastors to ever be a pastor. The book of James is actually called wisdom literature, just similar to the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs. 
It's like a doctor in a lot of ways. He's not going to try to come in here and teach us a lot of new ideas. I'm done with new ideas and new, new stuff like that. I don't need any new theology where someone got something from the sky, the word. And so what he's going to do today, he's going to try to actually call us out. Like a doctor. You ever gone to a doctor and they start asking you weird questions? Like, so how often do you drink water? And you're like, I mean, like, like ice water? I drink soda, coffee. What about any sort of illness? Guess what? Proper hydration helps. Isn't that crazy? So doctors will ask questions that make you feel a little uncomfortable. So don't get upset with me. Get upset with the word. But one thing that I think is really cool is James's nicknames. Let me give you two of his nicknames I think are really Right? Like, that's a pretty cool nickname. But one nickname I think that surpasses them all is that he had this nickname called Old Camel Knees. That's right. Old Makes you think about how short our prayers can be sometimes, right? You're like, I mean, I got like dry knees, but I ain't got no callous knees. And so James's core conviction, as we kind of move to the text, I want to kind of transition into a little bit of the text. James tell the real truth of our heart. Some of us today, we're asking ourselves, how does this have anything to do with me? I've already been born, man. I don't have a heart to worry about. The reality is, a lot of us, believe it or not, will develop symptoms of a poorly regulated heart. And we'll see in a little bit what that means, but we come to church, we sing real loud, off-key, but loud like me, and we think we, we, we're doing okay. But the Lord keeps pressing in on us, like a dog, stop adding stuff to it. Just drink what I have provided. So, so today, as we transition, I really just want us to think about what does the Bible say about our hearts? I mean, the Bible talks a lot about hearts, if you didn't know this. The word is actually, that's a lot. Just in case you're wondering, like, oh, that's one time in the New Testament. The word heart is used 800. The New, New, uh, New International Version says it 600 times. So all I'm trying to point out today is that the word heart is really important to the Bible. Now, you might be asking, what does this exactly mean? Well, I think this really is going to start us where we need to today. Proverbs 4 starts off by saying, my child, pay attention to what I say. It's like a father talking to his son. If you look at your Bibles, this is actually attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. And all the dads were like, son, listen up, right? Daughter, listen up. Don't lose sight of them. Let them picture their whole body. And this is what everyone puts on their Facebook. Guard your heart above all else. And then how about you say this with me on this one? For it determines the course of your life. In other words, a heart left unguarded will get you off course. Bluff as we were traveling, it's not hard to get lost. It's pretty, pretty easy roads to navigate. You don't get really lost that much. But if you could imagine going somewhere where you've never been before, we need a guide, don't we? We need a guide that's going to tell us how to get there. I remember we used to print off maps. I know like the other guy, CD, you throw in the fire. It's like, nope, I could say one word and y'all would be like, Napster. Yes, yes. So some of us know. So without a guide, though, we will get off course. So just like old MapQuest photos, but our printouts. But let's do this. Let's define the definition that we can work with today. And so here we go. This is our heart defined. The heart is very much this. It's the physical, emotional, and spiritual engine of a human being. Key words there is engine. So it's, in other words, for biblical writers, if you didn't know this, they didn't really have a concept of your brain goo. Preserve minds. They would just throw it away. But now, of course, we'll talk about it in a little bit, 
The heart is something that, that for biblical writers is where everything is. Another way of wording it is the heart is the generator of your physical life. We can follow that one, right? Without your heart, just like Judah's heart, it won't work properly. Quite frankly, think about it. When someone says, what's really in your heart? And then lastly, it's the home of all of your desires. The home of all of your desires. So in other words, all of us, when I say think about what's truly in your heart today, something came to mind instantly. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's a situation. This definition today, I want to kind of transition into how are the heart of you and me like an engine? So I'm going to talk about engines today. So fellas, if you're listening and young kids, you're going to maybe learn a few things. But, and, and I say that. Let me back up. My wife knows more about engines than I do. Can I just start there? Whenever my car had a problem, I would call my wife and be like, it's making, the engine light is flashing. She said, turn the car off. (laughs) Stop driving. I'm like, okay. So anyway, this message is for everybody. So when I say engine, I'm not excluding the women by any means, but this is just something that I think for many of us, we understand that there are key ingredients to an engine. Think about your weed eater right now. So our hearts are like a fine-tuned engine. Now, this is something that you're hearing me talk about my grandpa a lot today. I call him Pawpaw, whatever you call your grandpa. Mine's Pawpaw, okay? But the, there are some key ingredients to an engine, and he taught me this. This is one of those grandpa wisdoms that you just get with hanging out with grandpa, okay? So here are five ingredients that he would love to always know these five, and if you don't, here you go. Ignition, okay? Compression, fuel, timing, huh, and air. Ignition, compression, fuel, timing, and air. These are, these are five things that if you don't have these five things, you won't have any flow. The ingredients, it can't go. Many of us today, we don't even know the ingredients of our heart. We're trying to figure this out as Christians, right? We're trying to figure out what the Bible says. We go to church. We go to men's group. We go to women's group. Grandpa, some, some cred, some street cred for these five things and how they relate to an engine. Now, what about our hearts? What about your heart? What are some key ingredients to Shelby? Some of you get it. Some of you get it. But before I share the quote, which I guess you can share it, that's fine. But engines are only as strong as the power they can transfer. There's nothing like hearing an engine rev up, and you're like, real cool, Honda Civic, but can it too much power? Just not enough traction. And I feel like a lot of us today, this actually rings pretty true. We get real loud for Jesus. I mean, we can redline that thing. But do we actually have traction? And so this is where my big idea comes in today. So this is my deuces traction for our heart to grow. Another way of saying it is it's going to allow our hearts to properly flow. The Holy Spirit produces traction for our hearts to grow. So what does a healthy heart look like, a flowing heart look like in Scripture? As James, when we actually flow and let the Holy Spirit flow through us. Well, let's, let's actually do this. Let's talk about some ingredients that we need for a healthy heart. And I also want to take a pit stop at what are some things that can actually we'll get to those. We grow when the Holy Spirit flows through us. Straightforward, right? Some of you, okay, that works. In other words, if you don't let the Holy Spirit talk to you, then how can you expect like that was calling me out? Then you read it again, you're like, it just says the same thing. All right. So maybe the problem is not the word, 
The problem is in the hearer. So the, the, we grow when the Holy Spirit flows through us. I want to read to you really quick Galatians 5. I think this is very much something that we'll talk about. Uh, Galatians 5, in verse 16, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And now let's reverse that. Let's go back to James. In verse 19, we see it where he says it in James, where he is actually going to tell us, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. For two things here, I think, that are really going to make some of us unsettled. One is anger. Now, about you, I'm a dad of a three-year-old about to be celebrating 10 years of marriage. When I say anger, that makes me uncomfortable, even as a pastor. I'm like, oh, boy, where is he going? It reacts. It gets, quite honestly, it gets angered pretty easily, if we're being honest. So, so as we talk about this, what are, what are some things, like I said, that cause some spiritual heart disease? Well, just like in Galatians 5, a lot of this comes from, and, you know, it's, it's kind of simple. Most rebellion comes from this one thing, not listening. James says it in the text. You must be quick to listen. Why would he say that? Just, it's right there, dude. Because we're not. We don't do this by natural default. You're not born to listen. I have a two-year-old hearing me. Are you listening to me? Get in the car. And he's like, I want to play in my truck. And I'm like, Get in the car. You can pay for the gas. But the idea is very simple. If we aren't quick to listen, we are usually, just like he says, we are very quick to speak. It's very interesting how James is very simple. Like a doctor, he's going to tell you, drink more water, you, start, you need to start exercising, and forgive yourself. There's a lot of the same things that a doctor might tell you. Much calling us out with that. Now, I thought about this. Simon Sinek, he's a leadership coach, and he says, you know, a lot of us are really good at acting like we're listening, but listening is actually an art form. Listening is actually an art form. See, James uses the words listening and doing. And what I love about this is he got his planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. In other words, be doers. In the Greek, the word doer, this fun fact, is actually just a performer. Someone that knows their lines and does it. Just imagine if you watched a movie and Vin Diesel always got to say what he wanted to say. I'm a big Fast and Furious fan, so he would always just be like, family. And you're like, no, that's supposed to read, listen, and do. And this is what's really hard for us, believe it or not, because... You come back here every Sunday. Jason will preach something amazing. You're like, that's what I needed to hear, man. Oh, I'm fired up. Until Monday morning when your boss says, hey, I got this thing I need you to do this week. Or your teacher's like, listening and doing, they're, they're two sides to one coin. And many of us, I think James is going to continue to help us with how do we actually get traction with this? What are we, we going to do when God's word actually begins to change us? So what I'm going to say before I transition is rebellion restricts the flow. You know this, but stress is a leading cause of heart disease. My grandpa, he's 87. He just celebrated his 87th birthday, which is amazing if you ask me because he's had, I mean, just, he's got so many cards, he has to pull them out to get through the metal detector. But when he was going through one of his heart problems, he's had many stents put in and Aorta valves reworked, and he even had a back one done recently, which is, if you know But he was told by a doctor something very simple about his heart. My grandpa's name is Wendell, and he says, Wendell, 
If you don't lower the stress in your life, it's going to kill you. Boy, I thought cheeseburgers killed you. Someone said amen, right? But no, believe it or not, something hang up, I get it. We have finances to worry about. We just moved. We got more boxes than we know what to do with. If you need boxes, let us know. But the idea is, is where, where are we going with all of this? Where, where, what can we do with the stress, right? We have to let it go. And this is what's interesting about rebellion is God tells us to love us. Yet God's word is eagerly ready to give us more. But yet so often we say, I've got enough already. I don't need any more to be added to. And so when we talk about rebellion, we talk about the flow, we talk about stress, Stress is a killer to a good heart flow. Now, I'm not, I know it's way easier said than done to not shat, and I'll come back. But as Pastor Jason said this, that disobedience and rebellion hurts us. We think it hurts God. We think if I don't listen to God, then God's going to be upset. No. This is what we were talking about this week. Jason said, God's always on the front porch. I can't go back there. I'm, I've started from the bottom. We can't go back. And, and the reality is for the Christian, we're always going back. Amen? We have to go back. We are like a child that needs his father's words to be implanted in our hearts. That's why Proverbs says that don't ever forget deep. What's another one that really messes with the heart? Anger. James even says it. So get rid, or he says, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Now, again, when I say anger... The emotion of anger is actually good. Can we start about, can we talk about that for a second? Some of you are like, well, Jesus flipped the temple. Do you know what a lot of people will actually translate anger to? Passion. I feel like I've heard Jason say that a time or two. Hmm, interesting. Chip Dodd, I know some of you that know we went to Summit, got to listen to Chip, which is just a cool name to say. But he says this, he's got two things that I'll say. What is anger? That's a pretty good definition to work with. It's the energy that gets us to admit our feelings. The second one is authentic anger is a caring feeling. It helps us pursue a full life by exposing the substance, desires, and commands. And what James is going to tell us here that it doesn't produce the righteousness God desires because, like an engine, if we let our anger go uncontrolled, we will blow up. He even goes on to say that we're like a guy that looks in the mirror. Looks at him, that one stings a little bit. I don't know about you, but Monday, Tuesday, you're like, I'm doing all right. I'm doing good. And all of a sudden, something happens, and you just snap, and you're like, where did that come from? I don't even know who I am anymore. This is because we forget whose we are. And if you forget who, so like anger is like an, or like anger, if we let it go out of control, we blow up. We have to let our anger be regulated to help a healthy blood flow. Anger has to be regulated. There are things that properly need to be stuff they're doing here in the United States, and we celebrate missions, absolutely. But I will tell you this. There are tons of people. I don't know if you've ever heard of Compassion International. I sponsor a kid for the last six years or so. His name's Yanabish. And I remember, and I know this is not to boast. This is me being completely transparent. I remember sending back before COVID, obviously. They sent us a photograph of what that family did with that $100. And they bought, it looked like, weeks worth of food for just 100 bucks. Me and you can't even go to Walmart for one meal for under 100 bucks. Stop buying lies that God is doing something around the globe. 
We can participate in something that's so much larger than just our home base. So those things should get us angry. Clean water is still a problem. Food, still a problem. You know, I, I, one thing that, that will mess with me watching the Super Bowl, there's kids in the room, but do you know that's a really very high prevalent uh, place for prostitution? The amount of money spent for just a weekend? Those things should get us don't, not don't get angry. What are we angry about? And be able to identify it. That's what will help regulate a healthy heart. Okay, so those are some things that aren't, aren't helping our hearts, okay? We got anger. We got rebellion. Let's move on. How do we, we have a God that has an infinite amount of power, if you didn't know. Nope, that didn't land. We have a God that has an infinite amount of power. You might think, but, 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 <laughs> transform us from the inside out. We don't need to be worried about the outside in. You might have to throw away some of those old CDs that we burned, right? But we should also be willing to turn to the word, as James says. It says, humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. Don't forget, this year as a church, we're doing the Dwell app. So if you haven't had the, the Dwell app downloaded, I think it might be a little too late. But if you're using the Dwell app, we actually would be studying this word rooted. We actually should be living in God's word. Now, I've heard some guys say it, and, and, and to be honest with some of the guys in the room, I tried the method of just listening in the car, and I pray you keep doing it. But I think James is going to call some of us out in that method and say, you can't just be listening. You've got to actually transform that into doing. I remember I was so proud of myself. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to listen to the Bible. Like, what, was, what, what, what did we do? Oh, we listen to the whole Bible. It's like, huh. And what effect did it have, right? Next big tragedy happened, and we forget everything we ever heard. So there's a difference between listening and doing. So we have to stay rooted in God's word. I love what Ephesians uh, 3 says. Let me show you what Ephesians 3 says. Glorious, unlimited resources. Again, God has enough power, I promise. He's never, he's never short at the register. It says that I pray that from, the, that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength thing to the table. Then look what it says. Not only that we will get the spirit helping us, it says then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. You might be thinking, I got to be strong. No, friends. You hold us up with his garment. Next slide. And may you have the, the power to understand as all God's people should. And you say it with me. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. I know we've heard it. I remember going to church camps and we're like, God is love. Amen. When are we actually going to live that out? When are we actually going to believe what God claims that he's doing? He's got enough for you. We keep going to the next cheap thing to interact with. Verse continues on. It says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. God has an unlimited resource for us to lean into. You know, the, the way I said it this week when I was Jesus and all of this, right? I'd be remiss if I didn't say the blood of Jesus saves us, right? But the blood of Jesus is like an oil to an engine. Think about an engine knock. I don't know about you, but 
This is where my wife is smarter than me when it comes to engines. Engine knocks aren't cool. Okay, just making sure you know that. Some of you are like, my car out in the park. For it to properly run. And that's the blood of Jesus for you and I. We have to let him into our lives. I know this sounds very simple, but you're going to keep coming back here every Sunday. It's not going anywhere. God's message is not going to change. Not going to change. That's the beautiful part about our God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going anywhere. I love Jason's testimony because he says that his dad never kicked him out. His dad just let him leave. And that way he came back. It's a beautiful testimony. Something we have to really understand. We have to let the word be rooted in us. Second, We're going to drive this thing out of the gate. And that is the tractor pulling term, if you're ever familiar with going to a tractor pull. Share of hands. Ever been to a tractor pull, big or small? Okay, this is for you. If this is your, this is your, my grandpa said all the time. And I'm like, that's so elementary. I remember saying, even as a 15-year-old, I'm like, you learn by doing. And no, you know what? It was, it, I started thinking about this, and throughout 10 years of ministry, I mean, I'm the pastorate. You learn a lot. You get a lot of weird phone calls. I know Jason gets a lot of weird phone calls just in one week, and now I'm about to start doing it again. But the idea is that we learn by doing. And even James says this when he talks about, in verse 22 to 27, he says, but you don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. We learn by doing. It says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for a garden tractor puller. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Now, when I say garden tractors, you might be thinking, tractor. All right. Now, this is Pawpaw. This is my 87-year-old grandpa. This was just, what, seven years ago? So, eight years ago, I can't count. So, there you go. This is him in his 80s. This is an 80-year-old man. And if you look closely, and this is no joke, for many years I flamed it, okay? It's just one of those things. I always thought I was named after a tractor. <laughs> I really did. My mom's maiden name's Alexander. His last name's Alexander. But I remember thinking, I was named after a tractor. Mom, you don't really have very creative, big creative skills at all. <laughs> but if you can see, this thing is actually pulling a weighted sled. This thing out of the gate. My grandpa would, would say, Alex, not the tractor, by the way. He'd say, Alex, I want you to get on one. And I remember when he first let me get on it, experience. I don't know how else to explain it. So let's show him the next photo. So this was me just a few years ago. And this, this, again, you learn by doing. These are, when you get behind the wheel and you give this thing some gas, those wheels start spinning. And what's crazy about tractor pulling is you usually not, you never have a lot of traction. You really don't. And if you see the wheels, some of them you'll see like belted wheels or whatever it's called. It's just incredible. But yeah, this is me. It blew my mind because first of all, I am not a person that ever likes to be out of control in a car. If I ever ride with you, don't be funny and try to go fast. I will, like, start crying and praying, and you'll just, it'll be bad. Let out when the wheels go up. Now, you don't maybe see this very well, besides the fact that my air, con air cooler came off and I rode it down the track. That's irrelevant. But these have wheelie bars, and they have weights in the track and do all this weird stuff, kick the dirt. This is what they're doing. They're actually evaluating what side of the track is better to go down because they'll let the person decide. And I remember saying, Alex, never let out 
when the wheels go up. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute now. I didn't know the wheels were going to go up at all. I thought, you know, it makes sense. We got the weights, like the weights ain't doing their job. But here's the crazy part. Because what's happening is all the weight is being distributed to the back tires. And you will watch, and I have the video if you want to watch it, that this thing goes down the track burning alcohol. That's correct. Not like whiskey, chill out, but like race alcohol. And these things are loud and proud, and they ain't no joke. But I remember this was the very simple thing he taught me if you learn by let the engine do its work. I remember my grandpa just said, put your foot down. He goes, and let out the clutch slowly. And I'm like, what? I don't even know what you're talking about. I can't even, I, just being completely transparent, like a five-speed transmission, I'm going to mess up your clutch pretty good, okay? Some of you, I mean, some of you don't, don't lie, okay? Don't lie. You, but you learn by doing. And so as we close, I just wanted to, to kind of remind you that there's a quote that B.B. That Warfield says, it is the holy goal. It doesn't mean there won't be trials. It won't mean that the wheels don't get up. But it's when we press in and we actually listen to God's word, it's when all of the power transforms. It's the big idea. The Holy Spirit produces traction for our hearts to grow. That our hearts are a fine-tuned engine. And like an engine, if you have a car, you have an RPM gauge, revolutions per minute. So here's my question. Are you running optimally on the grace and wisdom of God? So this is an RPM gauge. Now, most garden tractors don't have these because, well, you redline that puppy the whole way down. You hope it doesn't blow up. To lead us out, where are you at if you were to say on this gauge of where your heart's at? Because here's the thing. If you let it stay too long in the red, you're going to blow up. And just as opposite, if you, if you aren't even just photograph, we don't even have anything. We're not even doing anything. By the way, zero is coming to church. It's one when you read the Bible. And it goes up incrementally as you get into God's community. And he shows you other people in all of this. As Jason said, there's no force. There's no middle ground. You don't get to play that card. I'm in the middle. Don't do that. You're not allowed to do that. But where are you today? I think this is a good place to leave us of where are you on the gauge with your heart? Is your heart, do you feel like it's a healthy heart? Do you feel like you view and your stress get to you? Are you letting it get in the way of God actually using you? Here's the thing. We're about to do ministry together. We're part of the family now, my wife and I and our son. So I want to pray with you when things don't go well. Because we know just like anybody, you're human. We all have hearts. We're all mortal beings. We all need each other. So today, as we approach communion, I just ask you a question. Where are you at on the gauge? And to pray that the Holy Spirit would help. And Lord, we, we pray that not only for just telling us your word, but Lord, giving us the power to live it out. And so Holy Spirit, we pray that you would continue to pray that you would transform our hearts, create a healthy, healthy flow in our hearts so we can see more of you in the world around us. Lord, some of us today, we repent of our anger. Some of us today, Lord, we're going to leave some stress. Lord, I also pray for that person that's pursuing you so desperately. They want more of you. And they're just learning. And Lord, I pray that you would press into them and let them know that that's exactly how... Lord, I pray for everybody on that gauge today. And I pray that you would help us lean into each other, 
find a friend and tell him what's going on in our hearts. Let our hearts speak. Don't silence our hearts. Lord, we love you. We pray all this in the presence. We now offer this time to come forward and grab the elements of communion.